Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Beneath the Screen of the Ultra Critics. Yes, we're back. Our mm. now used to be bi monthly uh, podcast is now a monthly podcast. Mm. Uh, People were overdosing on us, so we figured we would take the dose back a little bit. <laughs> well, it is allowing us to do some things I didn't think a lot easier than it would be normally. Um, yes. I'm joined, as always, by my co host, Thad. Ah! And uh, a frequent guest and collaborator, Kara. Hello. You almost called her Kara, didn't you? No. Maybe. Moving on. <laughs> um, no, that is that is the line, okay? Everyone uh-huh. has that one name that's not my name. Karen is fine. I get Karen a lot. I get Carol, which is weird. Occasionally Catherine. Don't know where that comes from. Cat, I kind of like that one. Kara, no. <laughs> It's like oh, if you yeah. call me if you call me Chad, you are dead to me. Yeah. If you call me Jammy, I just look at you like, do you need something? Who are you talking to? <laughs> Get the fuck out. <laughs> uh. All right. So uh, today's episode is going to be the de-evolution of the modern musical, and we're mm. going to be working mm. a series of podcasts on this, basically in which we look at musicals, comparing uh, older ones with more modern ones, because musicals are sort of coming back into fashion. Uh, especially with Disney's mm-hmm. live-action remakes, as we discussed last episode. Yeah, uh, uh, Thaddeus kind of shot his moment right there with the the cool, like, Cave of Wonder voice. You should save that for the Aladdin episode. Yeah. Are we doing an Aladdin episode? Okay, anyhow. Um, are we not? Are we not? I don't know. I, 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 I mean, I, you I... might not be. I'll just be in my house screaming about Aladdin as I do. Yeah, uh, whether yeah, it's no. recorded or not, it's a separate thing. I saw the trailer, and I was just like, oh, sweet. That looks, not the trailer, but that little uh, scene they released. Mm-hmm. I was like, sweet. Going back to the whole Beauty and the Beast of just redoing the live, uh, the cartoon version. That's... Yeah, apparently nobody wants to remember that Maleficent was the best uh, of these. <laughs> not only that, but oh, you live with so Madonna hyped. for how many years, and you don't know how to direct a musical number? That's weird. It's real weird. <laughs> Moving I'm on. so hyped Sorry, that's okay. So the de-evolution of the modern musical. What I'm, what I'm getting at is musicals are the fun, most of them. But if you look at older musicals, there's a craft and an understanding mm. of how to frame a musical number. Whereas now it's just mo- mostly people swaying. Yeah, yeah. Um, we are in a weird moment in history right now where it used to be. Musicals, Broadway musicals were adapted for the screen and written for the screen, and then sometimes would go back to Broadway. Was now mm-hmm. we have just non musicals being turned into musicals or just going to Broadway. Mm. Like movies are being made into plays, but plays and musicals aren't being made into movies. Yeah, like the, the, it's, it's only one way permeable. Right. Which is odd because there used to be a two way lane going on going. Yeah, I mean, it, it, is, it is also one of those things where it's interesting, like, as to how old you count the musical as being. Like, if you if you directly connect musicals to opera, then they're much older. But if you look at, like, the musical as we think of it as its own thing, it is a pretty young form of media. I mean, I would kind of argue you can't have a mu Like, to me, it's not a musical if there's not dance. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's, it's a little bit more fluid, but an opera 
and I say this as someone that doesn't watch opera for many reasons, I don't feel like they dance. I mean, I know sometimes they have dance and they have numbers, but it's about the big voice. It's about the amazing voice. It's not about that lady then, like, kicking it up has her a much more. It has a much more singular focus, you mean. Yeah, like, yeah. opera is the beautiful voice and sometimes the beautiful visuals, but it's not about, like, to be an opera singer, you do not need to know how to put on tap shoes. Hmm. Well, and not only that, but the musical is a genre that is a very visual genre. Yes. We talk about colors a lot and how they pop. Musicals were designed for color almost. Mm. Musicals were made for, like, the saturation of CinemaScope. Exactly. (laughs) And it's one of the things where early on when doing a silent film was becoming a thing, I forget uh, what director, but one of them has said, I don't direct movies, I direct stage plays. Hmm. Because movies were new, and that they were the new medium, and they were the things people were looking down on. Yeah, like what it meant to direct a movie wasn't really a thing. And so now, though, when you watch a lot of modern musicals, they're movies, but they're not very cinematic, if that makes any sense. Yes. Mm. Okay, like, do I need to, like, I feel like sometimes I need to explain myself when I say it's not cinematic, because there's really no definition, except in the fact that the shot moves you for no real logical reason. But <laughs> mm. for example, it's like, go ahead, Kat. Well, I think for, for me, cinematic has that sense of awe to it. Like, there's always that preview in the commercials for movies where they have the audience and then, like, you, if the camera's focused on the audience and they're seeing something on the screen, the whole audience reacts. It's like that. It's like that moment. To me, like, the ultimate cinematic moment, you may mock me for this, is being at Jurassic Park as a kid. And the camera swings and the dinosaurs are there and the music swells and you're like, whomp, back in your seat. Like, this is a movie-only moment that has transported my reality. I was actually going to use Jurassic Park as my example for cinema as well. <laughs> See, I was, if I may use a negative example. Okay. Wow. Because uh, I think, I think pos- you know, positive examples are good. But <laughs> a movie that I will always enjoy but is definitely not a cin- – I would in no way say is cinematic – would be clerks. Yes. Mm. Like it to me some, for for something to be cinem- <clears throat> oh, sorry. For for something to be cinematic whether it be grand or whether it be even in smaller more intimate framings like it has to be that combination of things. It has to use the camera for more than just the thing that is watching. Perfect mm-hmm. example that, for that, me. That combination of of camera sound and yeah. In Jurassic Park the scene with the velociraptor is busting up against the ceiling mm. and the binary code of the computers is reflected on his skin. Mm-hmm. There's no reason for that shot. Yeah. It's just beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> like a c- cinema isn't logic as much as people want it to be. <laughs> no. Yeah. And musicals true. fit with that almost perfectly because musicals, as we'll discuss don't often make sense in a strictly narrative sense or even a societal sense. Yeah. The 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 need to, for things to make a particular kind of sense is uh, you know, killing uh, everything. Right. About art. <laughs> Except for action sequences, which we have decided that action can be utter gibberish and make no sense. Well, that's because action is just dancing, but that dudes are allowed to like. Well, this is the thing. I think Gladiator has ruined film, is what I'm saying. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if I'll make that argument, but I will, I will join you in sentiment. 
Uh, I remember reading something Steven Soderbergh was talking mm. about how every once in a while he'll rewatch uh, Mad Max Fury Road. Mm. And the two things he'll look at is A, how did no one die? <laughs> and B, there is a sort of musical element to George Miller's movie because it's not just that flames are shooting out of the guitar for no reason. <laughs> the people swaying on the poles are swaying to a rhythm of sorts. Yeah. Action is, in fact, a sort of outgrowth of the musical in so much that it is basically using what cinema is as action and images mm. and making a story out of those. It's why Mission Impossible movies have a sort of breathless quality to them. Yes, mm. they're realistic and we're watching someone about to die, but it's more than just about capturing what's going on. It's how it's framed. Yeah. Yeah. Also, Editing... Uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I mean, before we move away from Fury Road, uh, I think it's important to uh, use the made-up term choreography. <laughs> to uh, talk about its its construction. That's all I wanted to say. <laughs> Are you done? Mm-hmm. Okay. And with uh, editing, I think we oftentimes overlook, like, editing is both, should be seamless and it should be visible when it wants to be. But mm-hmm. every cut is a brick. Yeah. So it do- in its own way, it also creates rhythm along with the framing. So what we have now is, I've argued for a while, some of the worst editing <laughs> in a very long time. Yeah. And a lot of this I feel has like to the, do the thing that I I think in the last year the one that I heard the most dust up about was definitely Bohemian Rhapsody. Right. Uh just in terms of like cutting even just regular conversations so like pointlessly that it became gibber like just visual gibberish. Bohemian Rhapsody is an example of some of the worst editing and best editing. Oh really? Because it I have not wor- I have not seen it. I I uh I was too conflicted about it. <laughs> I have no doubt that the reason the editor won for best editing mm. was not because it was well made, but because if you watch it, there is so much drama behind the scenes of a human rhapsody mm. in terms of just trying to get the actors, like the amount of horseshit, to use <laughs> a non technical term that went on. The fact that Bohemian Rhapsody seems at all like a semblance of a movie (laughs) is a testament to that guy. And I think they're like, look, considering you made a movie from literally nothing, (laughs) here is your award. Yeah, that's, you know, that scans. Uh, I I think that's something to reward someone for. Yeah, you've made made an actual cake out of mud pies, and for that, you get a prize. Exactly. Like, I remember a story about Russ Meyer. And mm. Harry, Carrie, and Raquel, I forget. No, Cherry, Harry, I forget the title. Mm. But, like, almost the third of the movie was lost by the editing studio. Oof. Because they were working on Hello, Dolly, and they threw out a bunch of stuff, and they threw out his movie. Oh. So, basically, Russ Meyer had to take what leftover footage he was, it was and basically craft a narrative from nothing. <laughs> that was impressive. Yeah. But... Uh, but yes, musicals and cinema are basically made for each other. Mm. Another example of a cinematic moment, not in a musical, because that's what we do. Um, <laughs> double indemnity. Ooh, all right. I'm listening. There's a, there's a moment where Fred McMurray's hiding behind a door. 
And one of the complaints often is doors don't open like that because the door opens the wrong way. It mm. opens into the hallway. Mm. And it's a door to an apartment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's hiding mm. behind the door, even though the doors technically don't open that way. And Billy Wilder goes, I don't care. <laughs> then I can't That's do the, the right shot. <laughs> Movies aren't facts. Yeah. Insert insert the uh, the gif of Tommy Lee Jones. Uh, yeah, that's right. I say it with a hard G. Deal with it, Internet. Uh, <laughs> the, the gif of Tommy Lee Jones and the fugitive just going, I don't care. Right. <laughs> you know, I have to be honest. Right now I'm nodding along because I completely agree with you. But the amount of time I spend watching movies and picking apart the most insignificant <laughs> narrative details. I'm not saying we're not guilty of it. I'm just saying that when other people do it, it's a, it's a literal crime. Right, like when I do it, it's a free pass, <laughs> but when they do it, it's a, it's a movie crime. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, not only okay. that, but like the movie has to like, and this is a tricky part, and this is where the definition gets muddy, because yeah. if the movie's not working, then it becomes not a sort of magic act, which all movies are, all storytelling is. It becomes more, yeah. this is stupid, and you're wasting my time. Yeah, there there have been a few movies that when I got to the end of them, I'm like, oh, and I'm I'm closer to dying. That is the gift this film has given me. I am closer <laughs> to death than I ever was before. Yeah. Thanks, movie. Really feel that mortality. <laughs> And also, like, it's one of the things where, like, we do have this culture, as Fat and I have mentioned before, uh, it's just we tend to nitpick mm. because that's what Mystery Science what? Theater taught us, yeah. as opposed to using that as an escape when you're stuck watching a bad movie. We tend to do it even with good movies now. Yeah. I have to be honest, I, again, I'm not going to put the blame on Mystery Science Theater for this. I was obsessive-compulsive way before I started watching that. <laughs> right. Those sins are my own. <laughs> right. Uh, so, just out of curiosity, like, how well-versed are you guys with musicals? Like, uh, I, I mean... Not I know you much... were somewhat of a theater kid in high school. Yeah, not as much lately. Uh, although, yeah, in high school, I was, I was more uh, conversant in musicals. Um, but I, I wouldn't put, necessarily put myself as an expert, but I enjoy a good musical. Okay. Yeah. I am a human trash basket. I have no taste in That's most fine. things. You're perfect I was, for this podcast. I, thank you. Thank you. I was not a theater kid for, I wanted to be, but I couldn't because I moved schools and they were very weird about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am possibly tone deaf. Awesome. Fucking, Same here. I love musicals. I <laughs> love them. I am, again, a trash human being, and a lot of times if you're like, yeah, it's a musical, I'm like, fuck yeah, it's a musical, which I think says a lot about the fact that I did not go see The Greatest Showman. <laughs> yeah, we, we all, both of us only saw it, like, this week, so. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah and I, I love musicals. My well, dad... I, I mean, also specifically, like, we both, like, I feel like our reasons for not seeing it were kind of parallel, right? Like, Mostly because we both know enough about like the history of P.T. Barnum and like the, the his like performers and things to be like uh, I don't know how how I'm gonna feel about that. Even yeah. though I do love Hugh Jackman and he is a whirlwind of talent and charisma, the likes of which we rarely see. I, I would say that my background in musicals would be very well explained by this. Uh, my dad had five tapes for the car. Uh, three were Jeff Foxworthy. One was Chris Rock. 
One was Bill Cosby. And the last one was the soundtrack for The Sound of Music. Nice. And we would drive for 36 hours on those five tapes. And I was happy. And my dad was happy. And my mother was miserable. <laughs> and I mean, that's what's really important. <laughs> well, okay. It's one of the things like, okay, so if you love musicals, then there is a, a sort of like an evolution of the camel work of, uh, whose name I just forgot, Bugs, Bugsby. <laughs> Mm. Hold on one second. Okay, so you have Bob Fosse in the 60s mm. and 70s, who is a fantastic choreographer. Mm-hmm. And then you, like, clash that against, like, say, The Greatest Showman or even Mamma Mia, in which the choreography is basically... I don't want to say club dancing, but sort of like a modern day, sort of like... How would you guys describe it? Uh, seventh grade. <laughs> uh, unmemorable. Right there we go. Unmemorable. Bugsby un- Berkeley un- was the name I was thinking of. Unremarkable. I'm gonna go. Right. With. Yeah. Bugsby- I don't know. In terms, in terms of jukebox musicals, I usually tend to avoid them. Except I did like Across the Universe a good deal. Right. Um, I-, I think it's interesting that somebody grabs like. I'm going to pick Keanu Reeves and is like, hey, sir, you're going to learn how to shoot. We're going to spend seven months and we're going to run you through the paces until you can act like the hitman you are for this movie. And then I feel like with musicals, they're like, yeah, you can you can walk, right? Right. You can walk and talk. We can, we can fix the rest of it. And that just seems odd. Yeah. So I feel like with musicals, they used to go real hard in those like you have to be able to do this and even i feel like there's a period in time where they would get non-musicians and like force them to be able to do it and now i feel they're like and eh, close enough richard gear drove himself insane trying to teach oh, himself for how chicago? to tap dance for chicago like oh. he like went so far like he felt like getting a gun to point at his feet because he was like i can't i have to get this <laughs> <laughs> i mean good on him right for, for committing but uh, going back, uh, early the early musical we have Bugsy Berkeley and his camel work. He gets right in there with the dance numbers. Sometimes mm-hmm. right underneath them, so you see the feet dancing on the limbs. Like mm-hmm. it's it's creative and it's cinematic, but you're, you're like inside the dance number. Mm-hmm. And then you have Bob Fosse with his almost esoteric dance numbers, but also like they're just amazing to look at. And now, mm-hmm. as you could say with Kara. In the 2000s, we got really inventive with Moulin Rouge and Chicago. And then we got to this place where we are now where they're like, hey, you're an actor. Yeah. yeah you want to come over here? I mean, yeah, am I, I going like, to sing-ish? Like come on, Pierce Boston. Everyone loves you. <laughs> when, I look at, when I look at Chicago, I do see it. Like, I feel like it's an interesting synthesis between like what you do in a stage musical and then what like those – early big production number like 30s movies like with the like somewhere in but like trying to synthesize those sorts of aesthetics and we just don't see that that much anymore right well again going back to it's not it's a movie not a fact musicals Mm. are even more so because i am shocked at the amount of people who don't like musicals because it's simply a bridge too far yeah that's weird like i can like they love die hard but People don't sing and dance in real life, which I would argue is false. More people First of all, sing and dance in real in... life than single-handedly <laughs> defend Nakatomi Plaza against terrorists who aren't terrorists but actually bank robbers. 
Also, also, like, what's your interior life like? If you <laughs> understand the logic of a musical. Oh, okay, good. So it's not just me. <laughs> no. So, like, I, I, I don't like make up my own songs to my life, but I do have like life playlists, yeah. as it were. Like, I make up. I spend. I don't want to talk like in terms of numbers, but the yeah. amount of time that I plan music videos to songs that I like is 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 not zero. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's, it's yeah, one of, of the things where one of my favorite parts about Captain Marvel mm. was the "I'm Just a Girl" scene because so few comic book movies admit to having music exist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, most I, of the, the comic music movie is forgettable, but this is what they used, a popular song from that time. Yes, it's been overplayed, but then they <laughs> proceeded to synthesize the action with the music, and for yeah. a brief moment, it was really fun. Yeah, honestly, my my my, I was a little bit bothered by that scene, because I wanted it to be more choreographed to the song. Right. <laughs> like, I wanted it to be like, no, lean lean on that hard. But right. yeah, it, no, I agree, though. It was it was That would was be great. the John Wick movies. Right. <laughs> in terms of sort of sort of songs and choreography, because I watched this not recently, uh, the Fifth Element, the Diva Dance. Nice. Oh yeah, yeah. good pull. Diva Dance, like that's good. Oh. Because well, music and film go together. Even Ooh, especially you know what? The silent film. Oh, so that's why musicals are an especially cinematic genre. And it's why, as much as I love something like The Greatest Showman, when someone tells me they love musicals and they cite The Greatest Showman, I'm like, you realize more is possible, right? Yeah, go watch Rocky Horror and then come back. (laughs) (laughs) Uh... I think, so like, transitioning, if I may take control, about one thing I did kind of like about The Greatest Showman that was trying to do, is it was trying to be cheerful. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's not get too deep into it because the next yeah. episode will be more specifically about the movies that we watched. But yeah, but that one is that I think that it tried to like have a throwback to this very cheerful attitude that yeah. Chicago doesn't. And I mean, right. like, yeah, the last the last big musicals I can think of were like Chicago or like Les Misérables, which are right. a different animal. Hairspray, <laughs> but Hairspray, the movie version of Hairspray mocks that happy feeling. Yeah, well, because it has to. <laughs> Yeah. John Waters. Yeah. <laughs> John Waters, who himself is a deeply happy person. Yeah. That's, like, he's so, oh, he's so fascinating. Um, Seems to be in a good place with himself, which is And he's also very, he also very much understands that he looks like a creepy dude and leans into that in the most joyful so way. So hard. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway. Like, I, I think it's telling that the last great musical for a lot of people was La La Land. Oh, yeah. And I La didn't... La Land wasn't an ode to musicals so much as an ode to movies like The Umbrellas of Shibuya. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't watch that one either. That's okay. Well, here's the thing about it. Like, it to me, I would, like, until you said that, I didn't even have it in my head. Because right. it just, even just from the advertising campaigns and just everything around it, like, it didn't feel like it was a musical. It had musical elements way. to it. Yeah. And I feel like there's something, there's a distinction there. And I don't know what it is. All right, so there are a lot of different type of musicals. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You have, we've talked about some of them, like the jukebox musicals. And that is basically 
songs that already exist that they just use in the movie. Uh, yeah. Mamma Mia, it's a very popular and recent example. Uh, I believe I believe now we're contractually obligated to call it the Mamma Mia cinematic universe since there's uh, one of them. Wow. Uh, pardon me, just died. <laughs> Good. Is it the, the dark universe? Is that what... <laughs> the dark universe, which I was psyched for to some degree. Yeah, yeah Kara loved the mummy. I love the mummy so much. Except for the part with Tom Cruise, screw him, but the mummy okay, herself. Okay. <laughs> I'm so no, no, sorry. No, 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 I'm sorry. amazing, and it's yeah. the best part about that movie. Yeah, she, I'm sorry, I should have been specific. She loved the mummy in the mummy. Okay, she yeah. doesn't wear high heels, and she's just short, and it's fine. Thank you. Okay. She's Unlike Tom Cruise, but dumb. Yeah. Have you seen Sophia Putella in other movies? Yes, I love her. Okay, good. Yeah, she's fantastic. Uh, she doesn't get the love she deserves. Okay. Nope. Back to the jukebox musical. Yes. Yes. Uh, these are also not new. They go back to the 70s with the Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band and such. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, uh, Across the Universe is another example. Songs that aren't even like, they're just songs from a particular band or era. Mm. Uh, probably the most famous one that's not even thought of as a jukebox musical is Moulin Rouge. Yeah, yeah, that's true. How uh, is it Mou- not considered jukebox musical? I think because it's also a period piece, it throws people. Because it's so much different than every other jukebox musical. Hmm. It feels like a movie that just happens to have music you already know. Yeah. Yeah. it's uh, I, Moulin Rouge is, is one of those things I think people were really divided on whether or not they liked it when it came out. But I feel it was definitely trying to do something. It was trying to say something and show something and present something that was interesting. And that is good, whether your personal taste, you liked it or not. I, I did like it. I only liked the beginning of it, though. I don't care about the end. <laughs> I'm not saying that it makes me sad. I'm saying I don't care. <laughs> Go back to the beginning with the giant sequences. I'm, I want to listen to Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend again. The rest of it can bugger off. I mean, also, if there's anyone if there's anyone who knows how to do spectacle, Baz Luhrmann. I mean. Right. Well, not only that, but like... <laughs> The whole inspiration for Moulin Rouge was he was stranded in, in India because of flight yeah. got delayed or something, and he saw a Bollywood movie and he goes, huh, I bet I can make one of those. <laughs> it I, is. Did not, I did not know that, but that makes perfect sense. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it was. It took him years. Um, another type of musical isn't really a musical. It's sort of, it's not, it's called well, like the dance movies. Yeah. The step-up movies especially, which... Uh, if you haven't seen some of the Step Up movies, oh my god, the Fast and the Furious with dance musical dance numbers. <laughs> it's amazing. John Chu, who went on to direct Crazy Rich Agents, oh. is a visual master. Nice. Uh, I, but... I, I have memories of the Step Up movies, like the early ones, but I... How many did they end up making? Like seven. Like, they literally, Fast and the Furious is a perfect... Uh, oh, wow, really? <laughs> perfect example, because they start off one way, and then each one gets more and more absurd. And once they ah. start leaning into the absurdity, that's when it becomes the most visually astounding. Ooh, that's fun. Yeah. But there's, there's a bunch of step-up. Whitney Seibold and uh, Will oh, Gabbiani have reviewed all of them. <laughs> In that case, I believe uh, I believe you're talking about the Step Up Cinematic Universe. Jeremiah? Exactly, that is the Cinematic Universe. <laughs> <laughs> All right, like, so, you know... so uh, 
Sorry, Drew, there's actually like two 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 movies that I actually wanted to ask you about, about where where they would fit into your internal musical genre. Okay. Because I don't think they're musicals, but I think that they're interesting. Okay. Uh the Daft Punk music video Oh, Interstellar five 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 five. Yeah, the story of the secret star system where they got like they made a movie to like their incoherent music. Well, I feel and like it's I- really good for their discovery album. I mean, I feel like that's that's in that vein of like the wall kind of. Except yeah. the wall was the, the wall yeah. was intentionally supposed to be a cohesive narrative, and if I recall, like Interstellar five 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 was sort of made after the fact, or no wait five 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 five. There's four five. Yeah, and so like there's that one, it's more the wall. But then, have you seen Center Stage? Center Stage. Center Stage. Uh, 2000. It's a movie about a bunch of uh, ballerinas oh, like, and like, various rises and falls. Say, was that the uh, fame movie with ballerinas? Yeah, okay. I think. I, I didn't it... see it, but I remember it. <laughs> ah, it's, it was apparently Zoe Saldana's film debut. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, uh, star of the two top grossing movies of all time, <laughs> Zoe Saldana. Yeah, <laughs> but what's interesting is so there's no musical numbers in it. There's a lot of dance numbers, and at the end, the end of it is ballet set to pop music Ooh. and the the and see the end of it is so like there's like a love triangle there's like multiple love triangles mm-hmm. and so the end is them reenacting their love triangle which is like the head ballet dude's relationship with the head ballerina but also the previous head ballerina who now runs the company mm-hmm. and so it's all about all of the women who have rejected him for being a tool <laughs> and how about uh, speaking of, of odd movies from the early 2000s, if I may cut in. Yep. A Knight's Tale. Oh, yeah. That one, yeah. Okay, so. Uh, Sorry. As a response like... to all of that, I haven't seen any of those. But. <laughs> but, so, so for, for the listeners who aren't my mom, uh, you should see Center Stage because it has a really cool dance ballet sequence where the camera, like, pulls back but goes in. And so, like, it's a difference between, like, an audience watching where we can go and look, but then also pull back to be like, oh, don't forget, this is a stage performance that people are watching. Hmm. It's really cool. You I should watch it. That yeah. Uh, sorry. I don't remember. I, I didn't see that one. I never saw A Nice Tale. I'm sorry. That's yeah, uh, fine. And as far as what you were guys talking about with uh, the wall and stuff like that, yeah. that is very interesting because it's meant to be a cohesive narrative. At the same time, it's meant to be... Not so much a cinematic experience, but like a mm. musical experience of and yeah. to itself. It it's is like, it's oh. primarily a musical experience, but uh, these other sort of things were, were, were built out of them, I guess. When, when I say musical, I mean much more like in a concert version. Of yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's what I also meant, and then I realized I didn't make any kind of verbal distinction at all. <laughs> um, it's very, I like it for me, it's kind of like the, the Who in which they yeah. use music to tell rock music to tell a story, which is yeah. in of itself not novel anymore, but for that time it really was. To have mm. an album with all the songs are connected, not in theme, but to tell a yeah. story. The the concept album. Right. Long before <laughs> Green Day. <laughs> um uh. there's a special type of musical which is it's almost not a musical. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of singing and dancing in it, and the music plays a part to the story. Um, go, music... on. <laughs> hmm? uh, go on. Go uh, on. 
Something Sorry. like, okay, for example, I thought going in the Yankee Doodle Dandy was a musical. Mm. But it's a musical biography. And all the music, oh. singing and dancing happens performance-wise. Mm. It's kind of like, it's, it's a musical in the same way that Bohemian Rhapsody is a musical. They sing oh. and they dance, but that's when they perform. Off stage, there is no singing and dancing. Oh, that's interesting. Um, so, it's, it's, it's literally people don't break into song. Right. Mm. It is it like the musical. The music is oh, yeah, almost that, entirely diegetic. That does not. That does not count. That's a movie with music, not a right. Not a musical. Well, and then you have something like Robert Altman's Nashville or mm. Prairie Home Companion, which I don't know mm. if you guys have seen. Yeah, I I think you lent it to me a long time ago. But there's a people sing and they don't necessarily dance. There's a lot of singing, and the songs mm. have value to the narrative. They mm. play into the narrative. They don't explain things so much as highlight emotional issues or relationships throughout the movie. Mm. And it's not a musical, but to take the music out, you've destroyed the movie. Mm. Does that make yeah, any sense? I feel like, no, I, I see what you're saying, because that does feel distinct since, like, a musical, if we're just, like, uh, using that as as a term, like the it, it's not just singing. Like there right. is more, uh, like the choreography, the dance, the all of that sort of stuff. Like it's it's more than ju- it's like how a, a movie with a fight isn't an action movie, right? Like, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah. And it can have like a movie that's not an action movie can have action sequences, yeah. but right. it's still not an action movie. Yeah. Perfect. Also, with Robert Altman, he directed opera and ballet. Oh, really? Right. So the movies have a, a rhythm to them. Mm. Uh, perfect example is Nashville. There's a song that's sung at the very beginning by one of the singers. Um, For the sake of the children, I must say goodbye. Mm-hmm. And later on in the movie, we see this uh, one of the characters who's part of another band, and he is a womanizer. And he mm. gets every woman to leave after they've had sex by just getting on the phone and pretend like he's working, so they just leave. He doesn't even want to talk to them. <laughs> Except for one woman, played by Lily Toblin, who, ha- who whenever he shows up in town, they, ha- they have a little twist. And he does that thing with her, and she's not affected by it. She just leaves because she wants to leave. <laughs> he loves her. She's leaving, though, because she has two kids and is married. Hmm. Ooh. It is not a direct correlation, but again, it's almost like a tone poem, so much it highlights the themes and the characters in that particular relationship, and it's not directly connected. You have to make the connection. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And we won't be looking at those musicals. Maybe John, but not in this. But that is a different genre. Simply be that I find mm. fascinating, and really only Robert Altman did. Mm, mm. That's yeah, that is interesting. Oh. Uh, now, Kara or Thad, one of you brought up the idea of who sells a musical now. Yeah, because it used to be the stars sold it. This is a Gene Kelly musical, or and this is a Fred Astaire or Bing Crosby, and with those yeah. names, you knew what kind of musical you were getting. Right. Gene Kelly meant you were going to get a lot of athletic dancing. Fred Astaire meant you were going to get a lot of classical ballroom dancing. Bing Crosby meant you were getting less dancing and more singing. Mm, definitely. <laughs> uh, mm. So, what are you, what are your thoughts on that? 
I think the the change has been made, and I think we're going to have to take Hugh Jackman, sort of pluck him out Off of the, the mix board. because he's too he he's he's too much of a he's a too much of a threat. He's too to singular. <laughs> he's a very odd fellow. But as a general <laughs> rule, I feel like it's a star that sells it, but it's a non musical star. Usually, so yes. I'm thinking about the uh. Les Mis that came out that had Hugh Jackman, of course, and I think it's interesting that his name keeps coming up in these. Huh. And then who, who was it? Yeah, but it also had Russell Crowe, so it balances out. Russell, yeah, Russell Crowe Crow. and Anne Hathaway, who was Anne Hathaway, who fucking killed it. Okay, but they're not That's one known. Way. But they're not known as they're not that kind of performer. They're not. A singer. Sorry, I just I love Anne Hathaway, and she can do no wrong. Yeah, I love her but too, the, but that was not the best Anne Hathaway. <laughs> I, I I'm more mean from like like the thing that always like I know that that movie she gets a lot of flack, but just in terms of like I don't know facial acting like the what the what she can do with just her eyes is is nuts in terms yeah, of yeah. emotion. Yeah, you were saying. Sorry. Sorry, but yeah, there's no they're not known for their singing for their dancing. They're not known for those kind of performances, and I'm not sure of anyone right now whose fame rests on I can sing and dance because in a way like musicals. And I don't want to slight the talent in those, but musicals were always kind of a weird genre because they didn't really need to be able to act super well. Right. Because the camera usually wasn't going to get right up in their faces and they were going to have to, like, Ryan Gosling, one half-tier cry into the camera. So <laughs> what they did, they were bigger and they were brighter. Their smiles should be huge. Their emotions should be clear. And they had almost that stage thing because the camera, would, it wasn't always further back, but it could be. Yeah. And right. so they were a very different kind of talent. And so now... Even these, so I feel like these movies are like, well, we don't know if anyone else can really sing or act. We don't know if anyone else can sing, act, and dance. So pull Hugh Jackman in because he can at least, because the man is a fucking elephant and he'll carry whatever he tells you to. He'll carry whatever you tell him to do. And then, like, Zach Efron got famous in um, what, High School Musical, right? Right. But again, like, I feel that after that, he's like, well, I don't want to be the musical actor. And then he did acting, acting. And so now he can, like, fall back into that talent when he needs to. But that's not. There are no more great musical stars. There are no more little girls with the big voice, like they said about Judy Garland. Right. Mm. Well, like not only that, thing but is that Zac Efron's in a musical? You don't really know what kind of musical that's going to be. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't tell you anything because he's kind of a blank slate. Right. Hugh Jackman. You're like, well, I'm going to enjoy Hugh Jackman. Yeah, like Hugh Jackman can do basically anything and does so that does also doesn't tell you anything he is an exception to the rule because now with most modern musicals they get really great actors mm-hmm. and all the really talented dancers and singers are bit parts yeah yeah like okay Kale, you've seen beauty and the beast more times than any human should yeah that's true. josh yeah. gad is the most talented person in that what? cast Oh yeah, there's there's an example. Josh Gad, who came through like Book of Mormon and can just tear it up. Right. And uh, he has one number. Yeah, it's embarrassing. Um, when you watch Mamma Mia, um, Christine Baranski, Broadway actress, mm. uh, Julie Walters, Broadway. Like Meryl Streep is good, and she can sing. Good, but just like. The sidekicks are the ones that are usually the most talented. And it's this thing was like, you know, it's okay to just have maybe not the stars sing and dance. That'd be a novel thing to do. But it's like <laughs> the weird thing with the modern day musical, you can usually tell the most talented person is the one who's doing the least. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's so sad. <laughs> it's 
so bizarre. Luke oh, Evans is also from Broadway. Actually became known in Broadway, and he has no. very little to do. Sweeney Todd. Uh. Sorry, I, I just screamed that. <laughs> and I saw it because my, my friend sat me down, and she's like, you will watch The Battle of the Sweeney Todd, and you will watch one of the stage versions. And I did, and I became obsessed with it. Right. And I watched Did you see the, the Angela Lansbury stage version? Yeah. Awesome. Okay. And I watched it, and like I didn't, I didn't like go home and wish I were dead or anything like that. I didn't feel closer to death, but I was kind of unimpressed with the Burton movie for a lot of reasons. But like, like most people don't have a certain kind of boom quality to their voices. Like they come off as like almost a little, I, I'm not a music person, but like thin. Mm-hmm. But I feel like if you're going to be a musical star. Your voice needs to have kind of a thromulent quality. It has to have a living quality that jumps out. Mm-hmm. So even if someone's a very competent singer, even a very good singer, it's not, you can't even like sometimes pluck people out of bands. Like, oh, hey, you're a lead singer of a famous band. Can you be in a musical? No, they can't because that's just not the kind of voice that they have. And so I think a lot of times with modern musicals, like they don't have the voice to pull it off. And I actually really liked, um, oh, it's killing me, uh, from Chicago, the more villainous person. Catherine Zeta-Jones or Nazel Catherine Zeta-Jones. She had a good, she wasn't on the nose, but she has a voice that's kind of smoky and interesting. Right. And so she pulled it in a little, I'm like, okay, she's, she's getting it, but like, I don't know. I just feel like a lot of actors, even when they're coached, even if they're competent singers, they don't have that special quality. Uh, I, I, I'm sorry. After, uh, after Jeremiah mentioned Luke Evans, I pulled up his Wikipedia page, and now I just feel profoundly bad for him because I didn't know he had talent. Oh, Luke <laughs> Evans is, this is actually a, this really good. He's um, a criminally Professor underused Marston guy. Professor Wonder Women is a he's amazing. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, Luke Evans does better in the smaller films, but he had, he had a really bad hope, uh, big break with that Dracula movie. Yeah, I feel I feel that's what I like. I'm looking at these movies that he like headlined, and most of them I'm just like, oh dear, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but yeah, you really count. I I really think it's odd. Again, it seems like television understands the musical better than the movies do. Mm. My crazy ex girlfriend. Um. Mm. Glee. Yeah. Yeah, Glee got it. And the Glee people have the big voice. Glee yeah. people are some of the most talented people who are never working again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is staggering when you realize the amount of work they did and how yeah. talented they are. And Lee Michelle, also from Broadway, Spring Awakening. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Jonathan Groh, also a big Broadway musical guy and now does just a lot of acting. Mm. Um. It's Crazy Ass Girlfriend, another example. Like They understand a musical is, A, not supposed to be too logical, and it should be, at some point, brash and vivacious and, quite frankly, absurd. Mm-hmm. Because, again, it's, not, it's the movie. It's not real. Yeah. Like, being able to let something have its own reality is, uh, I feel, somewhat rarer, I yeah. guess. I mean, well, I mean, even talking like we were talking before we started recording about John Wick. Yeah. I'm like, John Wick is stupid. That world is garbage, but it doesn't <laughs> matter because it commits to it and it just keeps moving and it has excellent choreography and music. So, uh, yeah. I mentioned I in my review for John Wick 3 that hasn't come out yet when, as yeah. we were recording this, that yeah. the rules of the John Wick universe are so 
thick and the consequence is so severe. I'm just like, who has time to actually be a hitman in this world? Everyone is apparently too busy most of New York serving a <laughs> retribution and punishment or breaking a rule to actually have time to do an assignment. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie to you. There's a chance we might go and see John Wick three after we're done recording. Like, yeah, yeah I'm not gonna lie to you. There's a chance me and Coy are gonna go see it <laughs> my, for my second time. That's great. Uh, excellent. Uh, we'll, I'm not we'll lying when I say later. it's pure cinema. It's gorgeous i think that that's see what i love about that is that it can mean so many different things but regardless of what genre you apply that to that makes me want to see it well, okay there, i think i do want to interrupt for ahead, one thing please. about and something that i've seen i've seen in john wick and i've seen in other movies that's happening more and more often and i think in a way the marvel cinematic universe i put this at their feet they kept having origin stories and explaining explaining to us and it's it's, it's annoying and no one cares hmm. And then I feel like a lot of movies right now are like, okay, let's go. Keep going. Keep going. It happened. Keep going. Let's keep moving. Oh, yeah, when, keep, going. keep going. Keep going. And yeah. I'm really enjoying them not making me go through the things like, oh, I have this power. You know, you don't. Let me prove it to you. And like, it's the scene I've seen over and over and over again. Like, yeah, you've been, we've been watching movies for a century now. Keep going. Let's keep going. Go to the next thing that you care about. And I really feel that a musical should have a quality where it stops on things because they're interesting and it moves past the things that are boring and you just gotta you just kind of go with it and yeah. that's a that's something that i feel starting to happen in film again and i'm very excited by it well, it's I less self-conscious was i also mentioned in my review is weird because the marvel movies and to some extent the dc movies try so hard to get you to believe this is happening in the real world yeah mm-hmm. and john works like no fuck that <laughs> which is of course like even even with the superhero comparison it's like like Superman in like 1977 or 78, whichever it was, like it made you believe a man can fly just by doing it with confidence. Right. (laughs) The powers, they focus so much on the powers and yet in the comics, I find it weird, in the comics the powers mean something. They usually have a metaphor or an Mm -hmm. allegory to what the character is. And the Marvel television characters have this. Television in general has this. Back, right. let, let's harken back to Buffy, where every episode with everything that happened was a metaphor for some dumb teenager thing. Right. <laughs> Luke Cage has mm-hmm. bullet and uh, bulletproof skin. That is a metaphor, and that is yeah. integral to the story of Luke Cage. Jessica yeah. is strong and nigh on destructible. Again, that is closely tied to the trauma that's happened to Jessica. Yeah, Dale Devil is a blind person who can see. Not everything <laughs> works. Well, he, no, he he his superpower is Catholic guilt. This is true. That is integral <laughs> to Dale Devil. He is always feeling guilty. And uh, Frank Castle's superpower. <laughs> and Frank Castle's superpower is that we refuse to watch the rest of the second season. Good uh, man. <laughs> I, I tried watching anyway. the second season. I couldn't get. I couldn't get through the first season. All right. What? Okay, let's not do this here. Kara cares a lot about the Punisher, but right now we're talking about musicals. Yeah, right. we'll just keep going, I guess. <laughs> um, and you you mentioned, um, honestly, uh, where the musical does thrive mm. in the weirdest of places is animation. And yeah. yet, Disney seems to be killing that all over again by taking the musical, leaving it in, but not, as we've talked about, understanding what happens when you make this uh, transition. Yeah. It's weird. Like, like I feel, I don't know. It feels like Disney is already coasting, and that upsets me considering how much they control. 
Disney went through this phase where, like, everything's a musical, and then they made a bunch of animated movies that either weren't musicals or were barely musical-ish. Mm. And then now they're remaking their animated movies that are musicals as musicals with people that are not musical. <laughs> and I don't, I don't, I don't know where this ends, and I'm so upset. Yeah. <laughs> Why is this what is? Yeah. I think, speaking to something one of you guys brought up before, uh, the confidence of just yeah. going with it. Because someone has in the notes, um, older musicals have a stage-like quality and there's a lot of wide shots. Mm. And that's sort of like viewed as uncool now. The problem is, if you do a wide shot, you're giving an audience a lot to look at and you have to have the confidence of, do I have things in here that's going to draw attention away from what I want? Yeah, and you have to really commit to do a wide shot, and so yes, it does, it is, what we have is a lot of people who are not competent, and so they do a lot of medium shots. There's a lot of editing. They try to cut away. Whereas a wide shot dares you to look at the screen and yeah. take everything. You know what else? You know what? I mean, you know what other movie had a lot of wide shots? Three hundred. I was gonna go with no, ew. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I was gonna go with Fury Road again. Yeah, good movies. <laughs> but yeah, no, not only that, but like um, the notion of cutting away from a dance scene—that's been going on since the '90s. I remember Save the Last Dance. Even oh. though Julia Stiles can dance, the way yeah. it was filmed, there's a lot of cutaways and focus on the feet as opposed to the whole body. I'm like, yeah, the feet's cool. Yeah, it's like, okay, back off the feet, Tarantino. Let us have the whole shot. Right. It's one of the things, like, you know what's impressive? Seeing Jimmy Cagney dance. Yeah. As opposed to just looking at his feet. Because when you see yeah. Jim, James Cagney is not a man you think who can dance. But then mm. when you see him in the medium of white shot, you're like, holy crap. <laughs> yeah, I, I uh, actually, that's, you know what? That's what I want. I want, uh, I want now that uh, Marvel owns 20th Century Fox, uh, the only way I would ever accept Hugh Jackman playing Wolverine again, all right, X Men musical. You know, I, I wouldn't be against that. Right? It'd be way better than Dark Phoenix is certainly going to be. Look, Dark Phoenix has a very low body clear. We're not going to get into that. That's fair. That is fair. Can I just bring up the the Peter Pan movie that Hugh Jackman was in? Oh yeah. yeah. Why did that happen? Yeah. <laughs> It's not a musical, but they realize he's so talented that they gave him a musical number. Not I think only there that, were a couple of musical numbers in that. But, just yeah. sit and remember the time the Oscars were hosted by Hugh Jackman. Yeah, and, and the, the, the opening dance number. And the end of the opening dance claws. number was him him being held up above people while singing at the top of his voice that he's Wolverine. Exactly. Like, Confetti it's so, and glitter, oh. showering everything. Like there are there are few people anymore that I'm like that is that is a movie star that I'm glad I got to experience in real time. But Hugh Jackman is definitely on that list. The problem that Hugh Jackman has created is now when everyone signs on for a new comic book movie, they're like, yeah. "I'm a big fan." I'm like, "Are you though? Are you? Uh, I'll open the Academy Awards singing about how I am this character fan, or are you? Yeah, I read a few books. Yeah." <laughs> 
I feel like people aren't allowed to say they're not a fan of something when they sign on to it. Like, it's a trick. You say you're a fan, and people are like, are you? If you're like, I'm not a fan, they'll be like, then you're not worthy. Kara, it's only really a trap if they're a woman, though, so. Actually, no, I was going to bring up the Henry Cavill incident. Oh, yeah. Henry Cavill boasted when he first took Superman in the very beginning, he said that it was just a paycheck. Yeah, yeah. And that turned a lot of people off, and... (laughs) I was turned off too, and now I just find it funny because now he's really upset that no one views him as Superman. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, you said it was just a job. What do you care? <laughs> uh, I, yeah, because Christopher Reeve died for our sins, so what, the, <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> and it's funny, we keep bringing up co- comic book movies because comic book movies, most we can't musicals, help <laughs> have a lot in common. They yeah. are, they should annoy, be vibrantly colored. Like, I'm... They have great choreography when done well, and there's a sort yeah. of broadness overture to them that is put like, I am, I am, with musicals. I am not at all kidding when I say that I would love to see a superhero, like, big-budget musical. Yeah, uh, yes. And I, I know it's not going to happen, but it makes so much sense. Part of why Logan is so great is it's a genre movie that's also a genre movie. <laughs> Well, yeah, that's that's what, that's the other that's the thing I loved about Ant Man too. Like it was like let's do something else within this genre. Let's do a heist. Right. I would love to see that not in part of a larger universe situation, but yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So I don't know if we've made any sense <laughs> as to what the issue is. Well, or, music, or even let, to our argument that... of if the musical is even devolved, which I think we've made a pretty good argument that it has, because it doesn't feel like a musical so much as a sort of... I think, I think part of it is that what a musical is has become diluted and, and has spread out over a lot more ground. Uh, like, the boundaries of it are a little bit looser, and also just because it's not as popular, we don't see things that we would classify as a, a closer to the center of that definition of a musical. Interesting. Kara? Uh, I actually blame the loss of CinemaScope. Yes. That's a good, that's a good call. Mm. I was actually thinking about this because I did watch The Greatest Showman last night, and the colors are vivid and beautiful. Like I will give it to the movie. The colors are bright, and you can see what's happening. But uh, watching Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, and it's so much oh, brighter. I, it has this almost like um, almost like a smeary quality to it. This is not glowing. This is not a musical, but I really need to watch The Love Witch with you because I think you will enjoy that movie. Oh yeah, yeah. It, it uh, very much leans into that era's visual aesthetic uh, in terms of like color palette, like and cinematography. Like it's yeah, it's great. And so I don't know, a, I, I'm going to blame the death of the musical on uh, changing film stock. <laughs> yeah, well, no, that's one of the that Thad and I have discussed, as Patrick H. Willem has discussed on YouTube and many others. Marvel movies look ugly. Yeah, yep. and it's <laughs> one of the things where DC movies have finally got to the point where they look gorgeous. Even oh if man, not- yeah. man was so much like just eye candy. Like starting from like Wonder Woman, and honestly, even Definitely. Snyder's movies looked like they had an aesthetic. I didn't like yeah, the aesthetic, but they had one. But yeah, I, from I would Wonder never. Woman I, on like they have really started to embrace. Like you know what, colors a thing. Oh yeah, and Aquaman. Oh, just um, oof. it's amazing. The inside love, of love Billy Baston's house. Yeah, yeah. Right, like it has it's color. Beautiful. Right, and I think honestly, what we have is this thing where people are afraid to embrace 
of the musical, but are not afraid to embrace all the other corny aspects. Yeah. Well, I think, I, I mean, if we want to go just from a narrative standpoint, that you could always just make the argue that, like, musicals, by and large, not always, but by and large, uh, are tied to a kind of sincerity and earnestness yeah. that is not, uh, like, even if you look at, like, more recent, like, big popular musicals, like, uh, the Book of Mormon was brought up earlier, and it's it's great, but it's also, you know, sort of biting and snarky in its way, while, like, it, it it's... It's earnest and it's not earnest. Right. Like I've, it's been a long time since I've seen a musical that was just like, this is a musical, right? Just tonally, you know. Right. Uh, that makes sense. The sincerity is a thing. Like it's coming back a little bit, by and large, due to I will say comic book movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm suspi- and I'm inherently suspicious of it anyway. But it's nice to see. Right. <laughs> I'm not inherently suspicious of it because when I see it, I'm like, oh my god, I've missed you. Yeah, but I, uh, yeah, I'm suspicious of everything though, so don't take that as a, an actual mark against it. <laughs> right. It's really hurtful to live with him, and he's just looking at you with those suspicious eyes. That's when you when slap the suspicion out of him, like I did. <laughs> um, so, as Kevin mentioned a little bit earlier, um, we will be talking about on the next episode, up beneath the screen of the Ultra Critics, um, <laughs> Seven Brides for Seven Brothers and the Greatest Showman. And just basically comparing and contrasting and seeing if the argument holds up uh, as she's giving it away a little bit. Yeah. Um, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I ruined everything I touch. I don't know why you invite me here. No, 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 no. That's much better. Um... At ruining things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Without further ado, that's all the time we have for right now. Uh, say goodbye, Thad. Okay. Say goodbye, Kev. Goodbye, Thad. Awesome. So glad that happened. All right. <laughs> See you guys next month. Have a good one.